Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word "Do Good Better" at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Hey, you busy fundraiser. Yeah, you. Listen, I know you're busy planning an event and you shouldn't have to worry about what software you're using for events and online giving and peer-to-peer fundraising and auctions and mobile bidding and text to give. It's all at OneCause, OneCause.com. Listen, I've been using OneCause for a long time with clients all over. It's designed for busy fundraisers. It's intuitive. It's a powerful fundraising solution for your next event and you should be using it. Go to onecause.com. They're a sponsor of the show. They're amazing. They're awesome. And there's free resources galore at onecause.com. Check them out today. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. They got more than a half a century of experience making every day count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So contact Brady Martz to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Sometimes we go international for you. Sometimes we uh, chat with people who are maybe a little bit outside of the box for our uh, small and medium-sized nonprofit origins. I have a fantastic uh, guest for you with a global perspective on a whole bunch of things that are going to remind you why you are a purpose-driven organization, why you should pay attention to some KPIs and really try to build that culture of awesomeness that you've always tried to be. We're going to remind you of all the amazing things that we do. I have an author. Ralph Specht with me today. Ralph, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Patrick, it's my pleasure. Good evening. I am. Uh, it's uh, it's evening time where you are. It is morning time where I am. This is going to be a fantastic interview uh, galore. But before we get started, I, you know, I feel like people are going to uh, tune in and they're whether they catch us on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or whatever, and they're going to find this to be very interesting. How do we take, you know, typical typical uh, corporate sort of frameworks and how do you make this into uh, the nonprofit realm? I think we can do it, my friend. Uh, but they probably don't know enough about you. So could you, to kick us off, give us a 5,000-foot view on who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today? Absolutely. So as you said, my name is Ralf Specht and I'm from Frankfurt, Germany. So um, that, that, that explains why actually you just had breakfast and I just had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> uh, I think the reason why we're connecting today is that there's there's two books that I brought, brought to, to, to the world in, in just this year. So um, quite productive, as they say. Um, the first one 
is uh, is a book called Building Corporate Soul, right? And Building Corporate Soul is all about corporate culture um, and why uh, corporate culture is actually the success factor um, for companies. Has always been, is, and will probably always be. So um, to a certain degree, I would, if I look at both books, I'd say Building Corporate Soul describes the philosophy and the other one, which is Beyond the Startup, which you see in the background, uh, those those two bookshelves, um, is the application. Because um, Beyond the Startup is about the company that I was a co-founder of. And uh, when I stepped down as CEO back in 2019, um, it, we had grown the company to 1,200 people and uh, 18, 18 offices, 18 countries, um, and uh, 100 plus million revenue. So <clears throat> quite something. Uh, and the book describes how we did that um, uh, with a purpose-driven uh, idea about who we wanted uh, to be. And when I stepped down, I received lo loads of messages from, from my colleagues, as you would imagine. And, and those colleagues didn't only look into kind of the, hey, it was a great time, what are you doing next, and, and uh, uh, see you then type of stuff that you would normally expect. The, um, the messages went significantly deeper. I was the last of the founding team who left, and uh, we actually uh, created a culture that was probably second uh, to none, and, and people shared their thoughts on uh, why it mattered to them. And obviously related to myself in, 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 in my role and my relationship with them, but uh, it was really going deep. And so I was contemplating about all these messages and I thought, hmm, actually, there's two choices here. I can leave them on my iPhone and uh, in a sentimental moment, every now and then take a look and think of all the good, good old times. Or I can uh, basically take the lessons learned um, from what we had created and, and write a book about it. And that's how Building Corporate Soul came all about. And I'm glad that it's uh, it's out there, and and and, uh, and people are uh, really uh, giving me great uh, feedback. So uh, it seems as if it's a topic that that matters to a lot of people, and that's a good thing. As an author myself, I am insanely jealous of the fact that you just turned out two books in a year. So I need to learn the magic behind that uh, after the podcast for sure. Yes. But what I love about so so what I find interesting about the title of your book and the, the title alone is that you? Uh, it's a corporate soul. And we talk a lot about in the nonprofit industry that people work there because it feels intrinsically good. They're doing something. They're, they're, uh, they're purpose-driven. They, it's, it's, it's more than a paycheck. It might not, it might, shouldn't be more than a paycheck, right? You should get paid what you're worth and et cetera in the nonprofit industry. But there is this inkling that I'm doing something that is extraordinary, uh, and, and to be reminded of that um, uh, from time to time is really important. Why, why, why soul? Is there, is, there a, is there a meaning behind that? It's just like you could have said building corporate culture and just be done with it and, uh, and, and made the bookshelf. But, the, but it's an interesting word choice for a title. Yes. So <clears throat> there's a saying in German, um, which is like he or she is the soul of the company. Mm. Right, so that's a personification of the of the culture of, of that place. Um, so that was one uh, thought that 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 crossed my mind, and there was another. There was a great article in in the Harvard Business Review uh, called "The Soul of a Startup," 
which resonated extremely well with me because obviously I was a co-founder of a startup, so I knew exactly what the guy was talking about. And so um, I actually thought when you when you think about companies, and I've been working in the advertising industry, and you've got a great great benefit when you're working in the advertising industry. You're uh, going through a lot of doors of a lot of companies and you see a lot of behaviors and you see a lot of culture just from all those clients that you work with and obviously also the agencies that you're <clears throat> that you're working in so um to me it, it's it's pretty straightforward every, every company has got a culture but only a few have got soul and i think that's the question how do you get to a place with soul because i'm in if you talk, if you have a conversation with leaders, everybody wants it, um, but not everybody gets it. And so it's an interesting uh, journey, I think, if you want to start building corporate soul. Is there, a, is there a starting question you have to ask yourself or your company to sort of reach to the, do you, do you even have one or do you want one or need one? Because I, I imagine that people can ask this question, like, do we have even a corporate soul? And like, no, you don't. You're just going through the motions or whatever. Or is there a question that you can ask to rekindle whatever passion that you had for the business? Because I imagine that people in start, and I, listen, we got a startup here, you know, doing this. Uh, this is what we do all the time. And, and sometimes we forget the why we started this. And is there a process by which you start that or trying to find that rekindling passion? If you've gone down the road and you're just working, and it's just mundane, you're going through the motions. There's actually six starting questions. Ooh, Ooh. stumbled upon it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and it's six uh, questions because uh, the book contains a framework, which I call the soul system. And the soul system has three levels, and those three levels each come with with two questions. In the book, there are 100 questions. I call them soul-searching questions. But there are six fundamental questions, I think, that you need to, need to think about and reflect on. And I think reflecting on those is kind of the, 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 the starting point for everything, because if you don't, you never get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Let me start with the with the framework first. So the soul system, as I said, has got three levels. First one is called shared purpose. The second one is called shared understanding, and the third one is shared behavior. And as you already noticed, there's the word shared that uh, connects all of them. And I think that's the most fundamental piece um, of the model, because I mean, many companies have got a purpose. Some have even got great. Uh, purpose statements. Um, many people or many companies have a vision and a mission and, and, and some values and so on. Um, but very often those things are, well, they are shared, but sh- the sharing ends on, uh, after the first town hall or once the um, the, the logos on the, on, on the receptionist wall have been exchanged. So um, I think there's more to it. So that's why I'm saying shared purpose, shared um, by the leadership team. And when I mean shared by, I, I just don't think it's about, yes, I heard what you said. It's like, I agree to what this says and and, and uh, I'm going to work, work against it. So shared by the executive team and shared with all stakeholders, predominantly the employees. That's the, that's the first step. And I would define that step if you if shared purpose is a bit too lengthy for you uh as the being of the firm 
the being of the company. And there's two questions attached to that. First one uh, is an individual question to yourself, which is, why am I here? And the other one is a collective question, why are we here? And those are very simple questions, but boy, <laughs> Uh, can be a tough journey to, to, to find the right answer because, uh, as you said, going through the motions is like uh, is, is the easy part because it just happens and we do these, these things coming in the morning, leaving in the evening and so on and so forth. So shared purpose and the being is part one. Is, is, well, can, I, can, I, can I ask you a follow-up question to that? Because if, do, do you find that um, when companies or even an organization, like a nonprofit organization, why, why on earth are we here? Do you find that it's sometimes shocking that they have to ask that question or that nobody knows the answer to that question? Because I would imagine that you'd almost think that, like, of course, we already know. But then when you ask a lot of people or maybe you even ask the leadership and there's multiple answers to that question where you thought it was just going to be like, whoa, whoa, where did we get lost? And and how do you how do you find it not as overwhelming or not overwhelming to start with something that you thought was so basic? Right, because the basic goal, why are we here? That should be a basic answer, and it's not. How do you rationalize or wrap your head around? Okay, this is a little bigger than what I thought was going to be an easy solution to figuring this out. Well, I think the the the, 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 the true answer is um, why am I here? Is one of the most profound questions you can have. Right, right? it's a philosopher's question, right. and and so. Um, as it is a very individual question, I think there is definitely room for um, why I am here and why you are here and why whoever else is here. And that might not be 100% uh, the same. Mm. Um, but the why are we here should very easily get to the same place. Um, and that is very often not the case. And uh, the, the reason it's not the case is people didn't re reflect on it. It wasn't a, a point in the conversation. It wasn't made clear to them what the journey is all about. And so they they guessed and, and, and just figured thought they figured it out. And, and they had found their own logic and it all felt all right. Um, and then they don't talk, talk about it with their peers. And then all of a sudden you get eight people who've got all their own logic and none you would say is really wrong, but together, um, I mean, if it were a choir, you don't want to hear the song. So, so there you go. That's why the shared element is so critical. Yeah. I love the second, second level is what I call the shared understanding. And I've called it understanding because it's about understanding. And this is the three usual suspects, vision, mission, values. Uh, and I've added a fourth one, which I think is ultra critical, which uh, I call spirit. And I define spirit as the, un uh, as the intended culture in a place. Because as we all know, I mean, you, leadership and management can think until the cows come home about uh, the culture. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but... The culture is not what they think it is. The culture is what the people think it is or say it is. And so <clears throat> management needs to create an environment where that can happen. But they better have an idea um, what it is that they want uh, to, to let happen. And very often values are formulated very high level and superficial. 
Um, and, and and so yes, values like we are inno innovative. All right, you, you better are because every company needs to be in, innovative. Otherwise, it'll be out of business after a certain time. Um, so uh, the shared understanding is is critical as well. And uh, when we talk about the shared understanding, um, and I said shared purpose is about being, shared understanding is about believing. So the two questions here are, what do we believe in? Vision, mission, values, spirit. Uh, and how do we shape belief, belief in others? Mm. And I think that is a fundamental question um, because A, it's all right if I, if I, if I got it. <laughs> It's clear to me and kind of kind of know what 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 I what I think the where, where we're going and how we want to get there, and um, but it's a it's a whole different uh, game if people know about it and 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 they often don't do. There's a great study from EY which is called the Business Case for Purpose, and they've asked like five thousand executives, and like in a nutshell. 80 plus percent uh, of, of those executives say, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, uh, purpose is great and, and uh, it helps with transformation. It helps, it, it boosts customer loyalty. It, it, it's great for retention and so on and so forth. And then you, you continue asking questions and, 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 and all of a sudden um, the questions turn into, um, so what about people in, in your place? And, and it basically says, um, well, you know, on, 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 the, on the very question um, uh, of, of uh, how does it connect with the employees? Well, our staff have clear understanding of organizational purpose and commitment to core, core values and beliefs, 38%. So in other words, more or less two thirds of, of, of the uh, executives think that their people don't know. That's why the word shared is so critical in all of this. And uh, it's a bit like, I mean, Aristotle always said, repetition, repetition, repetition. You have to say it three times. And if they haven't got it, well, say one more time. <laughs> because, uh, uh, but it's all, it's, it's not just about saying, and that's where we get to the third level. Well, I, I think this is, this is where, this is where I think nonprofits get um, hung up too, is that this is very much a roadmap for nonprofits within fundraising. Right, you may think you know the story of why you exist and what purpose you share, what purpose you're supposed to be, or what impact you're making in the community. You assume that everybody else knows it. They don't know anything. They probably don't even know who you are. And so, your requirement to go out and say, "Not do I just believe that what we're doing is awesome and what the impact we're making is great," is how can I tell people about that in a way that is the same thing that we believe. Yeah. You have to go out and go and apostatize on your behalf, because if you're not doing that, you're assuming a whole lot. And then you're going to end up like that 38%, which is like, they don't understand what you do. Absolutely. And I mean, I spent my life in advertising. And uh, when I started, there was no such thing as the internet and social media right. and all of that. So things were much, much easier. <laughs> um, uh, and there was a big rule of thumb th back in the day, like 30 years ago, which was you need to, uh, to have six um, opportunities to see or listen to a mess message to actually take notice yes. uh, of the message and understand what they're talking about. And I mean, I don't know what, uh, what the uh, bombardment of messages uh, we all receive today is compared to 1990 or the year 2000, I would assume it's probably 20 times higher. 
So you can imagine what it takes to get through. Yeah. But that's also why you know, on the shared understanding, um, it, it, there's an element of missionary in here, right? Uh, and that's why believing is the right term. So mm -hmm. how do we shape belief in others, right? Is critical. Exactly. And, 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 and what do we believe in and having that clarity of thought? And the third element is the shared behavior. Because, I mean, it's all good if you get the words right and you get the strategy right and it's all sound and it's perfect and it's wonderful, congratulations. But it doesn't mean a thing if it doesn't translate into behaviors. And, and that's where leadership is, is obviously at the forefront. Uh, I mean, you better start to become a role model because um, if you're not, what will happen is people just don't trust you. And, and, and obviously trust is the, is the oil uh, for the for the engine of business. I mean, without trust, it ain't going to work. So, um, when we talk about shared behavior, we talk about belonging, right? And so, what does it feel like to belong here? Is question number one. And how do we create belonging for others? Is question two. And um, you've probably seen that in last October, I think. McKinsey issued a study about uh, the Great Resignation and, and looked at the key reasons why employees employees are leaving in spades. Mm -hmm. And uh, there have been many of these studies, but the McKinsey one, I think, is especially powerful because they have asked the employees why they're leaving, and they've asked the employers why they think the employees are leaving. And it couldn't be more black, white, black and white. So the employers think, yeah, he wants more money, uh, he gets a promotion, perhaps there's a health issue. I mean, these are the top three reasons that employers think why people are leaving. And the top three reasons why employees are leaving is, or are, um, I don't feel no sense of belonging here. Um, I don't feel valued by the organization and I don't feel valued by my manager. Now think about that. I mean, if you're, <clears throat> uh, even a nonprofit needs to uh, worry about cost every now and then, um, if you can make sure that your people feel a sense of belonging and they feel valued, how many uh, dollars did you save in actually uh, not recruiting the next candidate who only stays eight months or, or a year and a half and then quits because they don't feel that sense of belonging, they don't feel that being valued. And I think it, it's, it's so important to get that right because it's economically critical. I mean, you can't run a business where people are running away from you. Right. 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 Well, it's the same thing with your donors too. If your donors don't feel like they belong with your organization, they don't feel the value that they're getting from their gift or their, <laughs> you know, they're going to go away. And can you afford the same way that you, with your employees, can you afford them to just disappear? No, you can't. And so you have to have this. And and they want to not give in a vacuum too, which is what this is so fascinating about how this is so translatable to the nonprofit world is that it is uh, together as you belong, right? They want to feel like they belong not only to your organization, but they want to feel like they're impacted with other donors. They don't want to be the solo or the only donor in the entire uh, universe, right? So that they want to have a shared belonging in the uh, impact that they're making so that they feel like they're, ah, it's other people joining us. Is other people are going to be there. I'm sharing values with other people that I don't even know, but we're getting this job done together kind of thing. That builds momentum and that gives you more money. Ah, 
See, it makes perfect sense. This is why uh, this is why I love this so much. So, it put, so put into these three steps and, and asking all of these questions. Um, what what does that do at the end of this little journey that that organizations um, sort of get? Like, where have you seen a company start where they're like, I really am confused about our our culture as a whole, and then asking all of these questions and kind of going through this uh, this 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 process. At the end, what's what is that? What's that sense of either relief or is it uh, now it's a challenge to kind of live up to everything that we've laid out? What is that next step after they kind of come to these realizations? Well, I think in the book, I've looked at two types of companies. I looked at startups and I looked at companies who've been around for decades or even centuries, right? Mm. And if you look at, at companies that have been around for centuries, um, there is no such thing as a straight line, as we all know, because mm. at one point you just nearly go bust and they can be, you can be lucky and you find somebody who still believes in, 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 in the brand or in the company and uh, says, okay, we'll give it one more try. And so um, I've looked at, at, at two examples in that category, which is Hilton Hotels and Lego. Um, so two different, very different businesses, but all one, one thing in common in the early 2000s, they were nearly dead. And, mm. and so um, both of them um, in, in two completely different businesses um, reminded themselves of why they were in the business in the first place. And, um, and, 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 and and made great steps uh, forward. I mean, uh, Lego I mean, is a success story in its own right and, and uh, um, on all dimensions. If you, if you look at comparably scores, uh, they've got a question, uh, which is, are you proud to work in this company? And, and usually you're lucky when you get 80% or so, because obviously the, the majority is somewhere in the 40s to, to, to six, uh, upper 60s, mm. and the Lego number is 100. That's crazy. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and uh, you look at their uh, net promoter score, kind of how customers feel it, and that's twice as good as Hasbro or Mattel. So um, they made something right. And um, the guy who, who turned it around was the first CEO that was not uh, a member of the family, um, which probably at, at one point you need that as, a, as somebody who uh, looks at it with, with, a, with a different perspective. And uh, he said, well, it's all about the soul of the business. Um, if, if we get that right, then things will happen. And they happened massively, and and and, and Hilton similar uh, thing. I, I mean, I remember in the in the late nineties or early two thousands, if you if you were booked into a, a Hilton hotel, you were like, mm, really, <laughs> really? I mean, great name, but kind of lousy experience. And uh, you get booked in a, in a Hilton hotel these days, it's 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 great. It's, it's really great. And uh, the key or the fundamental uh, change next to many others has been that they have recognized that they're a business of people serving people. And so if they didn't care about their people, how could they expect them to care about their guests? So um, I think whether it's lounges that they created for their staff that were pretty much similar to the guest lounges, so and not like the, um, the, 
the lounge space in the in floor minus three with no daylight. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean it's all of these these little things that, that very often help into and, and, and to build an inclusive um, culture. I mean, I think that that's what they've done uh, perfectly. And you look look at at, uh, at, at uh, companies. I mean, LinkedIn is now more than 20 years old, so it's difficult to talk about it as a startup. But I think when you look at the foundationals uh, uh, of LinkedIn back in the early 2000s, their strategy that they built, I think it was 2004, um, of, of a clear purpose, which was to f- facilitate um, professional networking and, and a vision to create economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce is still true. They didn't change it. And, and how many companies have I seen where you, there's a new MD or general manager or CEO or president or whatever, and they come in and ah, we, we got to look at this. And, uh, and LinkedIn didn't. And, and when you look at Glassdoor scores and, and, and their, their first CEO, Jeff Wiener, is the only one who ever received 100% uh, uh, approval rate. So uh, it is possible. But you're going to do a lot of things right, and you ask, have to ask yourself these questions, and that's what these companies have done. If you are an organization and you're looking at yourself internally, and uh, are there some signs that you might have lost your way, lost your soul, or don't have one at all, or very confused about what it looks like? Is there some signs you read? They're like, oh boy, ah, we got to start making some changes and buy Ralph's book. Uh, is there a is there a thing that they're looking at? Like, oh boy, bells and whistles and alarms are going off. Well, I mean, anyone who's ever run a business knows that it's never perfect. There's always something that isn't exactly what it needs to be. So, um, and, and, and many business leaders are a bit paranoid about these things. Um, uh, and, and, and the more startup founder, the more paranoid, I would say. Uh, that is a good paranoia. Like, it's a healthy paranoia because you're concerned that the business runs in the best possi- possible way. Now, there's many warning signs. There are many signs that you can see. You can, you can look at, at um, your staff turnover. You can see from office to office, whether that changes. You can look at your your client reviews, your customer uh, reviews, um, and you can look, can can connect them. And very often, uh, HR and sales are not talking to each other, or only the bare minimum. And so, any company that has got silos, I'd say, well, far away from 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 Seoul, because as the word shared suggests, you better do it together. Um, and if you're all working in your own fiefdom and, 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 and you're, you're so proud of your silo, it's like whenever I hear, oh, I'm not so sure about the company culture, but we got a great team here. I'm like, well, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's great that you have a great team, but that is, is not good enough if you want to uh, impact the entire company because, because it only goes so far. So you've got to look at all these um, uh, these signs. And, and but the most important thing to me is, you need a culture where all departments discuss these um, open signs, because sometimes you um, hear something about one department, one area of the business, that you can connect to some data that you have from your own side of the business, um, and people have not been able to make the connection. Um, and, and if you are able to make the connections early enough, 
you can make sure that things don't get as bad as they could and and you can course correct I, one of the things that i tell again this audience and clients that we work with too is uh look outside of your own little horse blinders for a couple of ideas and perspectives that are a little bit different this is why i so appreciate this conversation and i'm sure there's a handful of people probably a lot who are interested in trying to figure out how they can maybe incorporate these questions, these, uh, this, you know, this this whole sort of concept, this idea of shared uh, pieces, but they might not know. We're going to get this book. Ralph, can we tell where we go to find a book and maybe order lots for our board of directors and things who want to get uh, really to the heart of the matter, which is, does your organization, does your nonprofit understand that they have a soul, and is it uh, is it rocking and rolling? If not, probably need to read your book. Where can we find it? Well, you can find the book anywhere where you can find books. Um, it's obviously on Amazon, but you go to your Barnes and Nobles and, and, and many others. Uh, you, you can get it there. I mean, I recommend everyone to who wants to have an, a little bit of an idea, like a temperature check on on their soul, <laughs> if you like. Uh, you go to to my website, which is buildingcorporatesoul.com, uh, and you can make the soul check, uh, which I think is a ten questionnaire. Uh, and uh, you have a sense of kind of, are you doing pretty all right? Or are you somewhere at a place where you should think about things? Or are you at a place where you really need to worry? And, and I think that's helpful. You can also register for the newsletter there that comes out every, every two weeks with uh, the latest and the, and the greatest on, um, on, uh, on leadership, um, basically. And, and uh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we've talked about uh, purpose, mission, and vision, and, and, and values, and spirit, and so on and so forth. My vision is to make soulless companies a thing of the past, right? So, um, and, and, and the purpose is to transform <clears throat> the value, performance, and impact of organizations. And that's very much true for nonprofits as well as it is for for-profit organizations. Um, because, I, I mean, the data that I've seen and the, and the, and the, and the surveys that I've analyzed about, about this topic, um, they all suggest that if you get this right, um, you have a much, much better business. You get em employees that are much healthier. You have a, uh, a factor three reduced risk of massive layoffs in your company. You have a double likelihood of increased uh, revenues, according to OC Tenor. Um, and, and, and Gallup suggests the outcomes, business outcomes are just between 10 and 20% on uh, customer satisfaction, on profits, and, and so on and so forth. So um, there's only good reasons to reflect on it and do some soul, soul searching and, and get it right. Uh, one of the things that we talk about all the time on this is uh, look to businesses and see how they're running their stuff and try to emulate that at the nonprofit level as well. So this is a really good lesson to remind ourselves that there's a lot of great stuff that's coming up for corporate culture that you can employ, you can do in your nonprofit. So we'll make sure to put all of those links in the show notes. So make sure that at the end of this podcast, you go click around and go buy the book. And while you're at it, by the way, if you haven't uh, subscribed to this podcast, you should do that first and then immediately go back to the show notes and get a book and go check out the uh, the, the link to kind of do a, a health check on your organization. So you've got a soul. That's a wonderful tip. That's uh, a wonderful uh, bonus there. Uh, appreciate that. Um, I love 
the idea that you can ask questions. We're always trying to ask better questions at our nonprofits for donors and those who will support us. It's really good to ask yourself some really hard questions internally to try to find if you are on the right path, if you found your soul as an organization. This is a really good reminder to look at yourselves if you're a little frustrated and a little uh, uh, crazy. So thank you so much for that as a perspective today, but mostly thank you so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. It's been my pleasure. Patrick, great time. Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesomer, a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free, because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com, go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, Use the promo code podcast, take 25% off of anything that you purchase, and I'm going to throw in a book as well, because I want you to do awesome, I want you to do awesomer, and I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word do good better at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Hey, you busy fundraiser. Yeah, you. Listen, I know you're busy planning an event and you shouldn't have to worry about what software you're using for events and online giving and peer-to-peer fundraising and auctions and mobile bidding and text to give. It's all at OneCause, OneCause.com. Listen, I've been using OneCause for a long time with clients all over. It's designed for busy fundraisers. It's intuitive. It's a powerful fundraising solution for your next event and you should be using it. Go to onecause.com. They're a sponsor of the show. They're amazing. They're awesome. And there's free resources galore at onecause.com. Check them out today. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making everyday count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So contact Brady Martz to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit.